0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're watching this edition of Hypnosis Week Live. Yes, it's me again, uh, Alex William Smith by birth, but known to many of you as Jonathan Royal, the so-called British bad boy of hypnosis. That's wearing thin, frankly, but, uh, you know, that's what shows up in Google. Hey, Enough about me anyway. It's another edition. It's another week, and I've got another guest, somebody I'm excited to have on. I didn't actually meet, well, I did meet this gentleman very, 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 very briefly in terms of actually speaking to him. Uh, crikey. Probably close to two decades ago now. At a ridiculous equity meeting uh, oh, in, yeah. in Lothborough. Uh, which was a complete waste of time for anyone who's uh, a member of British Actors Equity. Um, however, I got to speak to him more last year uh, at Blackpool Magic Convention in England, and I bought a copy of his book, Strange Way to Stage Hypnosis The Honest Hypnotist Guide. And if you go on YouTube and you type in Jonathan Royal, uh, Strange Way to Hypnosis, you will find my honest unbiased review of that book the short version of which is if you've got any interest whatsoever in stage hypnosis buy it but there is a much longer review there for you to go and have a look at on youtube Uh, this is a gentleman who's also got a background in magic um comedy and has traveled the world quite literally um with which is part of his story, so I'm not going to say too much more because he can tell you all. Please welcome to the show a gentleman who by birth is Christian Taylor, Christian P. Taylor, uh, but is more commonly known as Doc Strange um, Comedy Hypnotist. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hello. How are you? All right. Yeah, I'm fantastic, buddy. Look, for those people at home who may not have had the pleasure of coming across your videos on YouTube or already being connected to you on social media, can you explain to them a little bit about your journey from being born into this world to being where you are now as the guy who's travelled the world and got into stage hypnosis? Okay, you're brave. You really want me to start from the beginning? Well, pretty much. I want people to understand how you ended up getting into stage hypnosis. All right, so I'm going to mention some names. Um,
1: thoughts have changed since since I had these ideas years ago. I watched a chap on uh, television called The Amazing Kreskin Yeah, and um, and that sort of sparked my imagination. I must have been seven years of age. Now I was already a fan of David Nixon and then Paul Daniels. And I love magic. Uh, the first time I ever did magic, I, I think, well, the first time I really saw magic up close was when I was five. And a magician, um, as far as I was concerned, he was a magician. He was a friend of my grandma. We were walking down the street, and my grandma introduced him as Uncle Hines. And Uncle Hines pulled five pence out of my ear and then he made it disappear, and then it appeared under his foot. And I was blown away. And then he gave me the five pence, a shilling, as it was no man. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. I, I want to know how to do that. And so I, I, I can't honestly remember how I learned to do it when I was five. Um, I, This sounds really bizarre now saying this, but I used to spend a lot of time in the library. Now, I, was, I know for a fact that I was letting myself in at home when I was seven. I know this for sure. And I know that I was a latchkey kid because my mum was working and I'd walk home from school and I'd let myself in and I'd peel the potatoes and Uber up and do the things that my mum would me to do. Um, otherwise, I'd get involved. Right? And so I did, I did these things, because that was the age, you uh, see. That was in the early 70s. And so, <clears throat> somehow, I must have got a book on it. Maybe it was at Christmas. I don't remember having a magic set, but I do remember having a book. Can I show you the book? I think. I- yeah, of course you can. Was, this, is the book. this is the book that I got um, as a kid.
0: I used to have that as well as a kid, yeah. yeah. And I still do a lot of the tricks that are in this book. There is some really good stuff in there and it's really well explained. With If you, if you go on eBay and you can get a copy at the right price. Just to open it up so people see, the really good line drawings as well. They're just absolutely wonderful. So uh, here you go. Uh, I mean, it's explained really, really well. It's easy to understand. Which is uh, Noting lemon. Right? Yeah. Um
1: unbelievable just absolutely fantastic book it's got mentalism in it it's got all sorts and so this is this is the book that started me off and I can't remember who bought it, I mean, it might have been my mum or grandma, I don't know um but th- this was by will dexter and it just got me so excited in magic and I got all I got all interested in um escapology as well because you know, Houdini. and I remember being at school and um, getting kids to um, chain me to a, a lamppost or something, and then I'd, I'd escape. Uh, they, they'd think that I'd still be there, but I'd be undone and back in class before they were. Um, so I'd, I'd do stuff like that. Um, and I did a... I've, I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it here because it doesn't bother me. Um, I did a, a magic competition. It was in the park in Raleigh Park in Blackburn. I was seven years of age, and it was... Um, we used to do these little talent competitions. It must have been summertime. It might have been around my birthday in June. And I I did my little magic show at uh, age seven. And I didn't win. A little girl singing Good Ship Lollipop Well, now I was a bit cheesed off. And an adult actually said to me, the reason he didn't win is because you're not very good. Um, and I tell this to kids, and I can't believe that an adult actually said that to me, but he did. And it really put me on the back foot. But on the same day... There was a gentleman who was doing a Radio 1 roadshow show, the uh, same time. Now, I can't remember if it was the same day, to be honest. I think it was, but, you know, the way your memory works is the more times you tell a story, the more you rewrite your memory. So I'm not 100% it was the same day. Um, but I do know that I did some magic, and this particular famous gentleman uh, said to me, You're very good, son. If you keep practicing, you'll get better. You deserve to be on stage. All words to that effect. Okay? Yeah, but the, the the feeling that I got from this guy was, you know, do what you love, right? And I tell that to kids all the time. Um, I'm going to tell you that famous guy was Jimmy Savile. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, the, the message that I got from the guy was, you know, keep doing it. And and I did, and I and I kept following my dreams. And even though I was lost in Blackburn, were you know, everybody was either working down pit or, you know, mill or whatever. That was the mentality. Um, oh, you don't want to be entertaining. What's the matter with you? You're fucking from it. And, and so I never really got the encouragement to be an entertainer as such. Um. So I just did my own thing. I was always the weird kid. Um. I, I never felt like I belonged. I always felt like an oddball. You know, mm-hmm. and so I'd spend a lot of my time in the library. And so I guess I must have been catching the bus uh, into town. It was only a mile and a half away. And I think it cost tuppence on the bus anyway. Or if I didn't have the money, I'd walk into town and I'd spend all my time in the library. And I wanted to find books on magic. Um, I wanted to find books on hypnotism once I'd seen Question do his thing. Um, and one of the main reasons was I was a bit of a, a tea leaf when I was a kid. Um, I I was happy to tell lies, I was happy to nip things, Um, and I thought it would be a great idea to learn how to hypnotise the old big in the local shop so she could give me fags. Right? Uh, Yeah, I was was smoking at a ridiculously young age, Um, and it's not something I'm proud of, but, you know, again, different times, different times. I wish I'd never started. I stopped years ago, betting everything was stopping smoking. And it wasn't a hypnotist to help me. Uh, it was Alan Coy's easy way to stop smoking.
0: Uh huh.
1: Anyway, so I um, I would try and find books on hypnotism, and in the library, the only ones I could find were on medical uh, hypnotism. I tried to find books on magic, and a lot of times, all I found the books on um, stage craft or uh, theatre or acting, or I even got one about makeup once, and and. I remember reading this and learning how to do uh, make myself look like duty and all this kind of thing. I never followed that up. don't um, oh, fancy looking like him. But um, I, I, that's, how, that's where I'd spend all my time. And, and one of the things I said in the book is that um, most of the people that I hung around with were a lot older than me um, because by the time I was um, 11, I was on CB radio and I'd spend all my time on the CB. Um, and a lot of the people that I spoke to were, were a lot older. They were, were grown-ups. And by the time I was 12, I had this voice.
0: Can we yeah. just say for the viewers, uh, if there's people who are younger than Chris and myself who don't know what CB radio is, if you search YouTube, you will find videos of people using them. And then you can see doo, what well, they do actually still exist. But they're not like they used to be. I mean, this these are things that we now use mobile phones and stuff. But it was kind of like it's kind of like a mobile phone in the sense oh, that oh, no oh, truckers, no. But in them, it was mobile. People in trucks could drive around and be on a CB, couldn't they?
1: Well, the reason they did it was because in in the seventies you had all the uh, problems with the uh, the fuel. Um, you, you couldn't get in America, th- there was um, there was something going on, whether it was to do with the war or whatever, I don't know, but all I know is that the, the truckers used to talk to each other and they'd tell each other about um, the police parked down the road with a speed camera um, that that was a a smoky, a a smoky bear with a Kodak yeah. right, you'd, you'd, have, you'd have that or they'd be telling you about such a, a gas station has got fuel and, and, and the, the radios ended up coming over to England and we ended up using them and I think Something like 1976, Blue Peter did a, a, a program about it, talking about CB radio, and then I ended up getting one. And my, my name, my handle, my CB handle uh, was Doc Strange. And, and so uh, Doc Strange was because I was a fan of the character, Doctor Strange, in the Marvel magazine, in the Marvel comics. I am a Marvel fanboy. I love uh, Spider-Man. And Iron Man, uh, but Doctor Strange. Uh, the reason I chose Doctor Strange is because there was already an Iron Man and a Spider Man who, who were using those. Uh, and I liked Doctor Strange anyway, and I used to call myself Doc, um, so that's where I got the name from. And then by the time I read enough books on hypnosis and everything, and I've tried it, and this is what I think a lot of people struggle with is I was reading between the lines um, when I was trying to. Discover how hypnosis worked, and I remember trying to hypnotize my grandmother uh, and my little nana, and she she said it worked, um, and I I didn't know if it did work, and then then she didn't know if it worked, and then and then I thought it did work, and we we just didn't know, and I've remembered this. I always said as a kid, I will never forget what it's like to be a kid. I'll never forget what it's like to be five and six, um, and the reason was because we had an old a Miserable old buggy living next to my grandma who used to complain all the time. He used to come out and he'd tell all the kids to, to clear off. <laughs> than, tell all the kids to clear off. And he was right, he was called Percy. We used to call him Percy Thrower, And he was a right in misery. He, he he just he didn't like kids at all. And I said, I'll never forget what it's like to be a kid, and I'll never be like that. kids, and I haven't. And that's why I enjoy uh, being with kids. I, I like having having a good laugh with them, you know, because you learn so much more so much from little kids on on how to be funny you know if you watch kids are hilarious they're funnier than
0: me it's just so funny anyway my point is uh let me pick up on that point. i think that's very true um for the viewers because yeah i'm sure my hypnotherapy type people will will be watching this out of loyalty watching each week but it's probably going to be more interest to the people who are in the magic and uh comedy hypnosis side of stuff and i think One of the things that people find hard in stage hypnosis, and I will be asking you this in a minute, is how to come up with new routines so that they're not nicking them. And I noticed, no, but it's interesting that I noticed um, that earlier this last year, earlier last year, Ken Webster, who's got the longest running resident hypnosis show in England. um, but up that his daughter Georgie, who I forget how old she is, she's younger than my daughter, so she, maybe six, seven. I might have the age wrong, I apologise there. But anyway, that he'd he started writing his show for that season and that she'd suddenly come out and said something like, um, I've not seen him do the routine, but I assume she must have said something like, Well, isn't it always funny when you see people in the park picking up the dog's poo with bags or something, collecting poo? And ultimately, he said she basically gave me the idea for this poo-collecting sketch. I've not seen him do it live, Um, and you definitely shouldn't nick it, because that's just wrong. Um, And apparently he went and did it to experiment to see if it had worked, and I saw him then butt up on social media after he'd done it the first night of the season opening and said bloody hell i've been writing sketches for years and my daughter comes up with an idea and it gets more laughs than the other things and i think that illustrates what you said before sometimes kids just have a purity and imagination and an outlook on things that we've lost as adults yeah well you haven't but I keep it simple and i do I I, I I
1: try to keep it simple i mean some of the stories some of the things that You'll get from your kids that stuff. Stuff that they do is just bizarre. That you wouldn't think of doing yourself at all. You Mm know, what I'm doing now is I'm writing um, some stuff for comedy where it's all based on uh, past life experiences, including the things that my daughters did, um, and putting them into some stand-up. That's that's what I'm going to do next is to do some stand-up again. I tried it in 2000. And I don't think I have the gravitas um, then to do the stand up, but now I'm I'm very well centred and, and grounded and, and I know exactly what it is um,
0: I like to do and how I like to work with an audience. Um, is that to integrate with the stage hypnosis or is a standalone go out and Sorry I keep messing with this. As you can see if I can if I just lowered Oh, you've oh, you've gone beautiful suddenly then. Yeah, I know I'm What's trying clarity? to
1: get, Just bear with me while I try and sort that out. I'm just trying to give it a bit of shade. So I'm gonna disappear for you know. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's too washed out otherwise, Have I turned that off? How does that look? You see, it's too dark now, isn't it?
0: No, it was better as it was. Trust me, the recording at the end always ends up looking better than it looks to us. It's clearer. Yeah. So um so yeah, so what I've what I tried to do is keep it real and, and keep
1: it um based on my own experiences and what I found is in all honesty, with hypnotism, I do pretty much the same stuff. What, what I found, is the um, uh, somebody said to me, don't find a new, don't find a new uh, act, find a new audience. I think Faye Pesto said two years ago, and I was saying, you know, I feel like things are getting a little bit stale. And it's not that, it's not that at all. What I found is now um, different audiences uh, expect different things. And so you just, you play to your audience and you let them... You guide them into uh, the kind of thing that you want. Like personally, I don't like people taking the clothes off or doing anything sexual, uh, but I don't mind effing and blinding sometimes. And and I've I've calmed that down. We're doing the the kids entertaining for the last kind of ten years. Um, I don't need to swear on stage anymore. I, but but for a long time, it was it was default for me. You know, effing and blinding was what I was used to from Blackburn. It, that, that's how it was. That's how everybody talked. Uh, on the estate I, I lived on, you know, every other word was F this and you, and you go back up there and it's the same. Well, that was me on stage, and I, in time, what I've done is I've learned to not do that and to calm myself down and and be a lot happier, be a lot friendlier. I used to be really in your face, you know, and I don't like uh, being like that anymore because you do that with kids and you cry. Yeah, they don't like, you know. It's, it's not effing and blinding, and you know they yeah they're not a big fan. So I've learned to um, calm it down, be happier, be friendlier, smile more. And this is my smile. It looks terrible. It, it looks like I'm trying to squeeze out a wet fart to be honest. But um, the thing is, I found myself doing the hypnotism. Um, by about 1989, I was doing um I was working for Club 1830, and I was in a poor food. Um, and I was DJing for them, and I was I experimented um, on different people. I'd say, oh yeah, I, I like to do hypnosis, but I didn't, I never, I never said what I'm about to reveal now. I I used to say, yeah, I like to do hypnosis, or I like to hypnotize people, or you know, do you want to be hypnotized? And I never said I am a hypnotist. I never said it. I never said I am a hypnotist. Would you like to be hypnotized? I used to say, Would you like to be hypnotized? people would say, Oh, are you a hypnotist? And you go, No, not really, but do you want to be right? And so what I was doing, I was setting myself up for failure. Yes. And it took me a long time uh, to realise that because I'd dip into it, I'd try it didn't work, or it did work, or whatever. I never did it um I never did it like like street hypnosis. Uh, or you know, it was always during a show, it was always in a in a safe environment and I'd always get a few people up and I'd tried and had it worked. And it wasn't until nineteen ninety two that I went back to Tenor uh, uh, at uh, sorry, what am I talking about? Corfu, sorry. All these places I've worked Yeah, uh, yeah I went back to Corfu and after travelling through Europe and telling people I'm a hypnotist and I'm a hypnotist and doing um, you know, one or two people or you know, just trying things out. Um, I got to a beach, uh, again, Got to Corfu and this uh, chap got all excited when I told him I was an and He said, oh, can you do a show for us weekend? Well, he actually said tonight. And I said, I can't, it was like a Thursday. And He said, well, what about Saturday night? And I went, yeah, all right, I'll do a show for you. I said, what are you going to pay me? And he said, well, I'll give you free accommodation. I'll feed you, you get all your drink. And, um, you know, if you want to, you can get some gigs. Elsewhere on the island, and I thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and so I got a crappy, I got a crappy, mopping, uh musty tent that he give me. Uh, the food was good. I did get pissed every night. Um, I got to meet some pit birds, which was good. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, all these, um, all these tourists. It was the summer of love. Yay. Um, and, um, yeah. And yeah, had a good time. I, and I, I went around the island, and I, I, I called myself all different names. Um, Colin Colon uh, uh, was one of the names um, uh, Peter Pancreas was another name that I called myself uh, <laughs> just a big name and then uh, came up with Michael Moon and um, I don't know why why Michael Moon but anyway that, that was the name I went with and um, came back to England in, in, in the 92 and I ended up doing a, a gig in... Well, well, what I'll say is the first gig that I did in Corfu went down a storm and I sat everybody on bar stools. Uh, <laughs> and nobody fell off. Oh, right. right. Yeah, and they were tall bar stools. Uh, never even, the thought never even crossed my mind that they could fall off. but um, And I did that and I, I got... I got I think I got eight of them and I hypnotized six of them and nobody was more surprised than me. And... But I did all the wrong things. I had them eating onions, drinking eggs, grow egg. I did everything that I'd seen a guy called a, a guy called Jay Luis, which was a really, really good uh, hypnotist that I used to watch when I worked in um, Northern Spain in Catalonia in a place called Castle Montre. And I I didn't have a great time there. Um, they they, they were weren't great employees uh, employers, and uh, they, they tried ripping me off. But the fact was this. A hypnotist used to come every week and he'd do a hypnotist show in five different languages. And I watched this guy and I was like, I can do this. I can do what he's doing. I can do it. I can do this. And I spoke to him and I said, I can do what you do. He says, of course you can. Of course you can do it. And I said, but I, I don't have an act. And he said, well, do what I do. Just don't do it around here. And, and I was like, are you sure? And he went, yeah, just watch me do that and then change it for your own stuff. And so I did, and I went, I, I listened to this guy, because I, I taped him, and I listened to this a few times, and then I went out, and I, and I, I wrote a little list of all the things I was going to do, um, and I did it, and it worked. And then I started learning really quickly what I liked and what I didn't like. I didn't like making people uncomfortable. I didn't like making people feel awkward. I, I certainly didn't want to embarrass anybody or humiliate anybody, because things had happened and they'd come to me and say, why did you make me do that? You know, I I, I felt really awkward afterwards when people talk and I, and I feel really bad because I'm a sensitive person and I'd be like, yeah, that's not, that's not what I was aiming for really, because I thought, you know, if I asked them to do something that they didn't want to do really, they wouldn't do it. And it turns out that all oh, you do, you, you're removing people's inhibitions and they will do the things you ask them to do, you know. um, So, I always frame it as nowadays, I mean, for the last 27 years, 26 years, I've been saying to people, look, I'm not going to ask you to do anything against your morals or your ethics. All I'm going to ask you to do are things that are silly and, and fun and that you'll enjoy doing. But if I ask you to do anything that you don't want to do, don't do it. That's it. Just don't do it. I'm not going to make you do it. If I ask you once and you don't do it, and I ask you twice and you still don't do it, I won't ask you a third time, right? Because it's obvious against whatever's in you, and I'm not I'm not interested in making people uncomfortable. And once they understand that, then they're free to do whatever they want as long as they don't hurt themselves or anybody else. So what would you say um,
0: uh, to the people who perhaps would say that by saying that you are reducing your power? power, so to speak, the, 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 the perception, the perceived authority figure thing, right. because the public do tend to think that, you know, the hypnotist can make me do anything, which to a degree is true if the context is right and it's frame right. I'm not saying you should do that, but by telling them you definitely definitely warm and can't, what would you say about, it? it's, you know, the I balance between... Honest hypnotist, uh,
1: no bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when I first started, it was all about being serious, dressing like a hypnotist, looking smart, pointy beard. I couldn't, I could never grow a beard. I tried going for the pointy beard look, and it just didn't work for me. It just looked like fluff. You know, um, never a big fan of the pocket watch or, or the dodgy stares, you know, that everybody has in the They always have to look like a hypnotist. And I soon realized it you just makes sure you look like a twat, to be honest. <laughs> It's completely unnecessary yeah. uh, Because what I say to people is Look, I'm a hypnotist I will hypnotise you if you allow me If you let me hypnotise you You're going to do things that you didn't think of doing That are fun and ridiculous But in no way are they dangerous You're not going to do anything against your mould, your ethics You're not going to hurt yourself or anybody else At any point you can wake up if you wanted to But if you do, you'll spoil the experience for yourself I don't care if you sit there and do nothing But if you do, that makes it a boring show You're not just here for relaxation. But from what I'm going to show you, what you're going to learn, you can take that away with you and you can practice that at home if you just want relaxation. right? But otherwise, we're here to entertain everybody and have a laugh. So listen to what I tell you. Do as you're told. Enjoy the experience. And at the end, people are going to be buying you drinks and going, wow, you're fantastic. Now, you can read into it however you want. Right you're going to get uh, hypnotists who say, oh, no, you should have been more, you shouldn't have given this, you shouldn't have told them that, whatever. And I go, no, this is what works for me. This is my thing. This is how I do it, you know. Um, And some people might want to do the whole pocket watch thing, which I think is hilarious. I mean, you know, why not just go the old hog and have them all standing in salt water? You know, whatever it is that works for you, do that. But don't ask people to do things that you wouldn't do or ask your mother to do that's my thing that's why I had an issue with you back in the day you know and I was like oh my god why is he doing that shit what did you know but that's only because of what was reported I've never seen the work then you only listen to what other people say and you go oh fucking hell I'm not interested in meeting that guy and then after a while you hear other people say things about somebody and you go this is just hearsay I've spoken to you a lot of times, and you're a decent fella. I like you, right? Um, but other people have got all these issues. And I've just—have you seen him work? Have you seen what he does? Have you taken part in it? Have you done it yourself? Because if the answer is no to any of them, shut the fuck up.
0: The truth is that there were some things in the very, very early nineties that I did that I mentioned on my website, magicalguru.com, on the TV media page, that perceptive.ly were looking back on it now bang out of order the truth is look as i mentioned on the television media page of my website i did not it looked like i hypnotized a woman on tv for example to wake up thinking she'd just been raped but i didn't because even then at the age of 17 I would not have said that to someone who was hypnotized in case they could have experienced trauma or, or, or stuff. I, as I openly admit on my website now, paid an actress to play the part, knowing full well it would get media publicity at that time and catapult me into being known from no one knowing who the hell I was. Do I regret it? On the one hand, yes, but if I'm completely honest, mainly because it um, took so many years to die down, if, I, if I'm genuinely honest. I don't regret the fact that it positioned me and gave me a, a foot into the industry.
1: Yeah, you see, the thing is, this is what I admire about, that you know, you, you're, not, you're, not, um, you're not against public Publicising yourself, you're happy to to self-publicise, and I'm terrible. I mean,
0: you've already mentioned your own website like three or four times. I haven't even mentioned mine once. Well, yours the link people as they watch this. Yeah, mine won't be there, but Chris's website link will be below the video to click on to take you straight there. Thank you very much. And that that's what I say. You know,
1: I'm I'm learning. I, I've only just started saying yes to things, right? Um. For too long, I'd say no. I mean, I've just had a phone call from Judge Rinder, and I said, no, you're all right,
0: thanks. And from Britain Got Talent. I'm not interested. They really, Judge Rinder really want a hypnotist on. Yeah. They rang me twice, uh, end of last year and start of this year. Yeah. And I'm not going to reveal what the story was in case they ever decide to go ahead with it, but it was near enough going to happen, and then it didn't. Well, I think they probably guessed that it was a bit, may have stretched the boundaries of um, it's it, believable it, a bit
1: far. If you're going to be on a program like that, you've got to make it interesting. For, and I'm not interested in bullshit. You know that that's not what I do. Um, and the reason is is because I've it's not that I've got a bad memory, I've got a good memory, but because I ramble on uh, and, I, and I and I talk without really thinking, I found that if I lie, I, I can't remember what I've said, and I will I will um, contradict myself. So I learned what I was saying before is I, I, I learned early on that thieving was bad. Um, that, that lying was bad um, because I think um, I, I might have gone into this, the shop that I mentioned earlier and uh, nicked some sweets or something and got caught, excuse me, and um, got a good telling off by the police when I was about nine or ten. Right, it, it might, I, I might have been a bit older, I don't know. But I do know that um, I, I made mistakes as, as a little kid and it was nothing to do with my mum because she was she was brilliant, you know. She brought me up to be honest and, and kind, you know. But the thing is, I, I kids do stupid things, and I have stupid mates, and I listen to them. And I soon realised that if I listened to um, other people, you know, you know that old thing. If your friends told you to jump off a bridge, would you? Uh, and and I, once upon a time, I would have done, um, because I wanted friends. And then I realised actually, I don't, I don't want friends like this. I'm happy doing my own thing. I'm a lone wolf. I do, what I do. And people either like me or they don't. And if they don't like me, I don't care. It's not my problem. And if they do like me, great. But I'm not doing anything to be liked. I'm just being myself. And this is what I tell kids now. You know, feel your passion. Be yourself. Do, do you? Because, because nobody else does you like you. Do you? And if you're trying to be like somebody else, or you're trying to copy somebody else or do what somebody else is shit. You're just gonna look foolish. Now. That's not, that's not to say that you shouldn't, like, like I would watch comedians. My favourite comedian as a kid was Les Dawson. And, and I, I liked Tommy Cooper, but I wasn't a massive fan of Tommy Cooper. But um, Les Dawson, uh, Dave Allen, um, you know, people like that that I really admired, um, I would do their gags. And, and it wasn't long before I realised I shouldn't be telling other people's jokes. You know, Mick Miller's another one, and he's a friend of yours. Mick was brilliant. Virgin, yes. Virgin Manning. You know, all fantastic comedians, but um, I soon realised that telling other people's jokes wasn't wasn't my thing. It wasn't doing me any favours, and I've kind of gone off just being uh, quick witted, you know, and, and and having a laugh with people. And what I found now is more than anything is just connecting with people, and 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 having a laugh, noticing what's going ar- on around you, mentioning it, and checking the piss out yourself a little bit, you know, not not being. Oh, this is what I don't like about a lot of it. They're all real superior. They're all little men uh, or women, right? Trying to trying to grand, uh, uh, grand. What am I saying? Make themselves bigger.
0: I was going to say grandiose. I think Uh, you may. I think you may be trying to say grandiose. Yes, grandiose. Yeah, yeah. yeah, brain went, but yeah, it's not a word that I use. But yeah,
1: grandiose. So um, thank you. So yeah, I I see that, and I go, I don't want to be that because it's only recently. I've learned that I'm a little a little fella, you know. I, I've always I've always felt quite big, and then I look at people and I realise I'm I'm small compared. To, I'm I'm five foot seven, but most people are much bigger than me, and that's why I always get the biggest guy in the room and knock him out first. Uh, and I learned that years ago um, when I was at the Out Park in the book. and I, I did a show. It's in the book. The story's in the book. A strange way to stage Hypnosis. It's a it's a nice little story, and at the end uh, this. A big scouser came up to me and he said, um, and I, noticed it, I, I think that's a load of rubbish what you did. I don't think it isn't real. And, and, I, and, and I just told him to sleep. And, and lucky for me, he did believe it. And, and he went out like a sack of shit, you know. And um, I did another 10 or 15 minutes with this guy and woke him up and he continued his, his train of thought and off he went. Well, I realised you, you tell people you're a hypnotist and then you say, I'm going to hypnotise you if you want to be hypnotised. And, and if they go, yeah, I'd like to be hypnotised, then brilliant, hypnotise them. And if they say, no, I don't want to be hypnotised, then well, fine. It's like being a magician, you know, would you like to see a trick? No, I wouldn't, right? No problem. Bye then. Do you want to see a trick? Yes, I would. Okay. And, and I think if you, it's, it's all down to a reasonable request. If you ask somebody something reasonable, you know, like, um, you know, have you got a cigarette, please? And Somebody, you know, if you want a fag, and they'll give you one. But if they're not, if they're a non smoker, they're gonna say, I don't smoke, mate. You can't get mad at them for not having a fag, right? So uh, it's about having a reasonable request and understanding that not everybody thinks the same way. So if you want somebody to do something and they don't want to do it, fine. But if they do want to do it, use it and and, and, and do a show, but don't do it in a pub with somebody who's had a, a few drinks with one person, going, hey, look at me, I can hypnotise somebody. Oh, fuck off. Seriously, do a show. Do a, do a show. If you're going to hypnotise somebody, do a show, right? If you can't do it with 10 people on stage, don't do it. But if you want to do one person, sit him down, relax them. It's not about showing off. It's not about showing off and going, oh, look at me. I can hypnotise people. Because when I do a stage show, it's not about me. It's about them. I want to get people up and say, look, I'm going to give you the opportunity to be really funny. You know, when you've heard a joke and it's made you laugh and you've gone, oh, I want to tell that joke. I'm going to tell that joke and make people laugh. You tell it, you get it wrong. People look at you like you're a mental case. Right. They don't laugh. at you, Right. When you get hypnotized, everything you do is funny. Everything. So you're going to go on stage. You're not going to have any uh, uh, stage fright or anything like that. You're just going to enjoy yourself. People are going to laugh with you because you're funny. They're not laughing at you. You're going to laugh with you. You're going to make people happy. And you're going to go away. And you're
0: like a superstar. Who doesn't want that? Now the thing is, I know, because I've seen footage of you. I know that you genuinely do approach things at the start of your show in that kind of manner i'm stressing that for the people who are watching at home and i know that you impart this same advice in your book which people can see over your shoulder oh, um,
1: yeah. can yeah. strange, you
0: can get it at I'll sign Tremendous! It. you're learning um so i know that the reality is you do approach it that way But I know there'll be a lot of stage hypnotists watching this or people who've read other books in the past with with a slightly more, you know, stuck up approach that will be under the impression or come from the standpoint that, hang on, you're practically telling the audience there that this is not so much about hypnosis, it's about giving them an environment where they can feel safe to make a tit of themselves And and not get blamed for it And not have to feel ashamed or embarrassed
1: I mean I I said to people I did a corporate gig on Friday Which was amazing, it was one of the best shows I've done in a long time And that was because they were sober right? And I I love doing corporate gigs Because they're sober They're interested and they're going to learn something And I incorporate what I do With what their company message is And they love it Well I did this show And one of the first things I said to them I said look when you're a kid, you're happy to run around with your pants around your ankles, plucking uh, like a chicken. If you want to do that, you're a kid, you're five years of age, you're not bothered. You think it's hilarious. And if somebody says you look stupid, they, you're just going to ignore them or you're going to take it on board and you're going to be scarred for life. Right? But as an adult, you, you're an adult, uh, you're, you're a child trapped in an adult's body. right? And you spend all your adult life trying to act like an adult, try to act like a grown-up. And it gets too much. It's stressful. If you forget what it's like to be a kid and you don't let your hair down and you don't do childish things, then you're going to be stressed. And that's why people take drugs and why they drink alcohol. why why they do that. Then. And I said to people, you don't have to get drunk to act like a twat. You can act like a twat without being drunk and you can let your hair down. And it's important to do. It's important to be childish Not all the time. Not when you're at work and you're a funeral director and you've got... (laughs) Not not then, obviously. You know, there's a time and a place. But, you know, if you've got kids, play with your kids. You don't have to be the serious father. I'm sorry, children, but splashing in puddles will get you wet. Splash in the bloody puddle with them, right? Get mucky with your... If you've got little kids, and that's what I learned being a dad, playing with my kids and just having fun with them and doing stupid things. I'd be like to my daughters, what should we do today? And and they'd come up with something ridiculous. And I'd go, well, all right, then it looks like we're doing that. And I'd enjoy myself. And rather than try to be the father, I'd be their friend. And I say to people all the time, just for a while, you know, remember what it's like to be a kid. Nobody's judging. And if they do, fuck them. who gives a shit what anyone else thinks? What matters is your opinion of yourself. That's all that matters. Your opinion means more than anything else. And just because somebody comes along and says, excuse me, short ass, why do you all wear blue? Why have you got blue Dot Martins on? What's the matter with you? I don't care what you, it you. I don't care what you think. This is what I decide. This is what I feel good in wearing. If I want to wear this, I'll wear this. It's got nothing to do with anybody else. But people are fragile. Everybody's so offended now. You can't say anything. And you, you you can't say anything honestly or from a kind place sometimes because people are so ready to get offended and to get and to get angry. And I said, Look, I'm not here to offend anybody. I will say things that I hope will make you laugh. And if it doesn't make you laugh, I'll go well sorry, that's not there to offend you. Alright, I'm trying to be funny. And and we've got to a place now in the world where We can't say anything about anybody, because whether you're gay or straight, black or white, what what, what country you're from, whether you're transgender or whatever it is you're into, you can't say anything as a joke anymore. And so I think what, what we need to start doing is realizing that we have to take ourselves quite so seriously. Right? I understand people have problems, and I understand uh, you know there's all these things going on, and generally uh, you feel like you're all alone, and you feel like uh, everyone's against you, and 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 I understand that. But if somebody's trying to make you laugh, give them the chance to make you laugh, and if they don't, don't don't get offended by it, because. They're not trying to hurt your feelings. A comedian's job is to make people laugh. And unfortunately, it means walking a line. And this line is so narrow where you're either going to make people laugh or you're going to deeply offend them. And if you try to play it too safe, you're not funny, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that what I what I say to people is, look, when you take part in my show, I'll give you an idea and it's up to you to run with it. Uh, just remember... Do what feels good for you. If it feels right, just do it. And sometimes I get people up. that are absolutely hilarious. And I I never even thought of that. They'll do things that I never thought of. And then sometimes they're boring bastards. What can you do?
0: You know, you know, picking up on something you just said, you're right. You know, I think in a lot of cases, if people get offended by a gag, that they're actually the one with the problem or their reaction. You can choose to be offended or not. And, I don't know why, but it entered my head. I know I know that Bernard Manning, and if you're in a country where you don't know the names we're mentioning, just go, you know, Google or, or YouTube and you'll see who these people are. Bernard Manning, when he was alive, was renowned for doing what people really? these days would say he's racist, sexist, yes. ageist, every type of this material. Yeah. And yes, he did. But I've seen him perform live and there were black people in the audience. And bearing in mind, they knew who they were going to see. They paid money for a ticket. There were black people in the audience. There were gays in the audience. The the embassy club. Yeah. So I
1: mentioned that he had his own club that people would go to see him from every walk of life.
0: Mm. The people who should be offended by the gags were regularly going to the shows and he would be, some these days would say, being racist to them. You know, he said to a black man, Oh, well, do us a favour. There's a bulb gone there. Can you just smile so we can see you? And whether you think that's racist or not, on this day and age it would be seen as such, yeah. that gentleman had paid to go and see Bernard Manning, knowing full well the kind of thing Bernard Manning did, and would sit there and laugh. Yeah. yeah. He, he had the choice. And this day and age, you know, people go on about political correctness, but let's be honest, in England we have a uh, comedian called jimmy carr now he may not necessarily do what's termed as racist material but christ things oh. like um you know i've just bought myself a rape alarm so i don't forget when to go and rape somebody i mean he tells it much better than that at the time but it's like you hear the audience go should we be allowed to laugh at this and then one person does, and they feel they've got permission to laugh. Yeah. I think society is the problem, and the way people react.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to see. You know, like, I'm, I'm not a fan of Jimmy Carr, but I'll tell you something. He's a really clever bloke. He wrote a brilliant book um, about comedy. I've forgotten the name of it now. Um, no, it, it, it'll come to me. But yeah, look up the Jimmy Carr book on comedy, uh, and it's he, he, basically a dissertation um, on. On what makes people laugh, you know what's funny. Oh, right, I've not read that. Yeah, it's a really good book. Um, mm. it's got uh, it's got you, you know when we're coming from apes to, to man, it's got it's it's like the evolution of comedy kind of thing. You'll have to look it up. It's a really not good right. book. And even though I was never a fan of his as such, I read that, and I, he's not stupid. He's not. He's a really clever fella, uh, and and he knows what he's doing. He's got his niche. He does that, uh, and and people go and see him for it. And I think you'd be mad to go and see Jimmy Carr and then get offended by what he said because it's what he does. Um, and, and I think it, it, offense is really personal because, um, you know, you could say something about somebody else and people find it funny. And then you say something else and then one person doesn't find it funny, but the other people do. And you go, well, you know, it, it, it's, sometimes that's the way it is. You know, you can't walk out because one gag I told. Offends you when you were laughing at everything else that should offend all the other people. So you know, I think people just need to quiet down a little bit um, because otherwise we'll have no comedy left.
0: We'll have- yeah, it's it's awkward. I mean, that's verb. We've kind of talked verbal comedy there, but visually, as hypnotists, we sometimes use props. And one of, one of the gags I've always used for years. You don't use many. Well, I, I'll give this example anyway. I mean, at the beginning, they always do the hot day, cold day. Um, the ice cream job, I, I, I give one of the people, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a rubber sex toy, dildo, to suck and lick thinking it's an ice cream. Or at least I did do until um, just before Christmas. And... It was then mentioned, and I'm not I'm not going to mention a person's name because, frankly, I, I I don't mention their name because they don't deserve the publicity. But they mentioned on a a, a group to one of my students, who, who's uh, doing yeah well, Robert Temple, who's doing been doing theatre tours of England, mentioned to him, oh, I see you're oh, going down the mucky hypno route and um uh when are you going to realise everything Alex ever told you is wrong? And it got into a debate between them, aside from the fact that he's doing it on site more theatre venues, Rob Temple, than the person who was slagging him off. And ironically, the the person gave an example of, oh, you know, dildo, sex toys and all this. What happens these days when somebody gets a picture of, you know, on the mobile phone, Sticks it on social media and the boss sees it and the person works in the school, say. Good point. Now I'm gonna agree with that person on that point. Yeah. And um, I had a show in the Seychelles uh, before Christmas and it was literally two days after this discussion had been going on in that group. You can also why not? Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't take I didn't take the dota. I used a banana instead, because my logic was that a photograph of somebody with a banana in the mouth—that's clearly a banana—is yeah. innocent. Yeah. You can't get lose them the job. Everyone's using their imagination, right? You know, and
1: that's why I've never liked props. When it, I'm, I'm the propless hypnotist because um, props just make it too easy for the audience. I want the audience to use their imagination as well. You know, so even if we're going to do... See, I love
0: that. I love the idea of not having to take props. Easier to travel.
1: And that's why I started doing hypnotism. Because uh, in, uh, where was I?
0: 1990,
1: I went working on, on cruise ships with my dad, right? And um, I was on the Achille Laro, the, the, the ship that got hijacked a couple of years before. And oh. the um, an American old chap got thrown overboard by these uh, uh, terrorists look it up. And my dad was on the ship at the time and it was very harrowing. Um, Got on that ship a few years later, like two or three years later, and I was in um, Genoa. Um, Got on that ship and it turned out that my my husband's wife, who was South African, uh, she wasn't allowed to stay in in Italy because she didn't have a visa. Um, People are soon going to understand uh, the meaning of visas when they want to travel in the UK, by the way, (laughs) and they want to travel around Europe. I'm not looking forward to that. Um, so, yeah, freedom of movement. Anyway, it's important. So she got sent away. So we, I ended up being on this ship myself, uh, but but I think for the night. And then I got a phone call saying I had a flight. Um, I think it was, might, might have been Durban. Um, but anyway, wherever it was. And I got a flight myself. And I was, when was this, 1980? So I was like 22. And I, and I flew into South Africa and I got on the ship, the Odysseus. And it was just this small ship compared to now. Um, and I was on that with my dad and we went all around the Seychelles and the Comores and Madagascar, Mozambique, uh, all around South Africa. Did all the ports around there down to uh, Cape Town. Um, and um, I was DJing and I had all, all uh, records with me. Uh, I didn't have all my records, but I had a, I had a, a, a DJ bag with, with records in there. Uh, and I had all my magic props, I had all my clothes and everything else, and there's a lot of stuff to plug about. Mm-hmm. When when I left the ship, uh, there's a, a magician. Oh my god, I have forgotten his name now. Uh, anyway, it'll come to me. Um, he he got on this on the um, Oceanus uh, with my dad, and I got back into England, and they were on the Oceanus, and the Oceanus sank, um, and it sank, that sank off the coast of, of South Africa and, uh, near Durban. And all the all the um, the entertainment staff they were the the heroes. Uh, they saved everybody. What's going on here? Let me just check what's going on here. Um, so they saved everything. Uh, they saved all the all the passengers, and it was the crew that buggered off. Um, and anyway, point is, the magician that was on the ship uh, lost all his equipment. He lost everything, and he wasn't insured. And we're talking illusions. You know, thousands and thousands of pounds worth of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, it completely, I mean, he, he got away with his life, you know, he, he survived. Um, but that was that for him, you know. I mean, he had to start all over again, which is an absolute nightmare. And so what I said was, I want to do something that, that is popular. And, and the, the less that I have to carry, the better. Now, I wanted to be a comedian. Um, but I didn't have the material. Like I said, I was doing other people's guides, and that's not fair. And I wanted to do comedy, so I was like, what, what do I do? I don't I don't know what to do. And then I, I went back to the hypnotism, and I thought, well, maybe I'll do that. And so that's where that came from. So uh, in 1990, um, what was it, 1990 to 1991, so where am I? Um, so 89, I was in Corfu. And then I came back to England and ended up being a Kissogram. So I was, I was doing the kisser gram. Um, because a friend of mine went to um, Toronto uh, and, and he, he was a really buff lad, you know. And, and and he said, I've got loads of gigs lined up, but I've got this big show in Toronto that I'm doing. Um, do you fancy standing in for me? And I said, but I'm a teeny little fella. I mean, I was fit. I was a fit as a butcher's dog at the time. But I've never, never been good looking. I'm not going to film myself there. And, you know, I was, I was, what am I going to do? Well, it turns out I was the funniest uh, stripper gram for miles around because I was doing my cockles, muscles, who wants me crabs? <laughs> that's where the white coat came from, right? Right. But I had the white coat and I was going round to pubs and I had a basket and I'd, and I'd in there I'd have, I'd have dildos, you know, I'd have all kinds of things that I'd pull out, you know. um. And so I do kissergrams for people, and that gave me a lot of confidence because I, I went down to my phone, I play my mouth organ, I'd be stood there on my own in front of 100, 200 people in a pub or whatever, uh, you know, on a Saturday night, yeah, and and I'd be stripping off, and I'd be making, giving, I was I was a target, do you know what I mean? So when I got to when I got this job in South Africa with my dad, I, I'd done like seven months. Of being a stripogram. and then i got on the ship in november and i was there i was working and i was in south africa until uh, the end of may beginning of june so about almost you know six months right um and that's when i was kind of working on what i was going to do with the hypnotism and then when i came back where are we now 91 um nine, yeah so 91 i was back and then i started Traveling, I ended up traveling around Europe, and that's why I ended up in Corfu in '92. Um, so I, I realized really early on that if I could just do a hypnotist show, I didn't need any pop. I used to turn up on in resorts, like I turned up in a once and said, Um, I'll go around to different hotels and different pubs and I'd say, I'm a you want a show? And somebody would go, Yeah, we'll do the show, how much do you want? And I would go, "I'll give us 50 quid or whatever. And I'd, and I'd do a show and I'd have some money in my pocket.
0: Well, I was actually going to ask you as a question and you've kind of just, that's why I'm interrupting you, have just kind of started answering it. I was going to say for anyone starting out who uh, in stage hypnosis, obviously in England, you really do need to have a name for yourself uh, or be really good at marketing to start getting a foot in the door. In you are better off going to a holiday resort somewhere yes. where you can be doing a number of shows a week. Uh, and really working your, your your showing, but yep. as you've done that in numerous places, how would you advise people that they go about getting shows if they land in a holiday resort somewhere? Um, if
1: you're going to do that, um, so I'm just playing with the camera here, so you'll have to excuse me. No worries. Um, for my own for my own use. <laughs> um, yeah, OK. So the, I think the first thing to do now is if you're going to um, get some work abroad, um, you can contact people and you can go online and you can get in touch with people, uh, get in touch with the uh, um, the website or whatever, whatever resort you're going to go to and say, I do this. Do you fancy having me coming to do a show for you? Back in the day, I was walking around from place to place with my business cards or with flyers and saying... You know, I, I do a hypnotist show. Are you interested? Um When I first got to Tenerife, so I worked in Tenerife for three years 90, um, 93, 94 and ninety five. No, whether that's wrong. Ninety three. Hang on. Yeah, no, sorry, ninety four, ninety five, and ninety six. So I did. I was going to say
0: you were there in ninety six when I was, because I remember seeing you do a show. Yeah, well, I did. I did Blackpool.
1: Um, so I did Blackpool. I did the the foxhole at Blackpool ninety three. Um, and so I did the whole summer season there. And at some point, I'd have more people in to see my show than, um, than some of the big named acts did on, on North Pier, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I used to fill it out on the Tuesdays and Thursdays at the Foxhall Hall, the Absolute ramp. And they called me the singing hypnotist. I don't know why, because I don't sing. Um, <laughs> but they advertised it in the Blackpool Gazette as, as Michael Moon, the singing hypnotist. And it was only when I got to Tenerife uh, in 94 and I went out there because I'd been living up in Cumbria with, with, with a girl and, and that never worked out and, uh, and I didn't know what to do. And I'd, I'd got myself um, a, a, a room somewhere, a, a bedsit, and, uh, and I wasn't happy and I thought I'm just going to go somewhere. And I bumped into an old friend from Corfu, a guy called Andy Gap. And uh, he was a DJ. And he said, oh, I've just come back from Tenerife. He said, I've had a fantastic time there. Tenerife's awesome. And uh, and I went, oh, right. Well, where do I go? And he said, well, you go to Las Americas. He said, there's a place called Sergeant Peppers. He said, if you go in there, go and see my mate, I've forgotten his name, Um, he, he'll sort you out. And so I went I went to Lung Poly, uh, got a ticket, uh, cheapest ticket I could find. I think it was 22 quid. Uh, and I and I flew to uh Tenerife, got to Las Americas. I arrived there about two o'clock in the morning, got off this bus that pulled up right outside Veronica's, uh which yeah. is a strip of, of boys and clubs, and it's just absolute mayhem. And um I had my big pux on my back um because I've I've been travelling and um and so off I go and I I goes up into this place and there's there's drunk girls on the floor and people in their own puke and it's just it's just mad, right? Um, fighting and people shagging and it's all going on in this place, right? This is what it was like then. And I turned up in Sergeant Pepper's and I said, he's uh, such a body. And he said, no, it's his metal. He <laughs> up tonight. Um, uh, what do you do? And I said, well, I do. This. He said, we haven't got a DJ at the moment. He said, can you DJ? And I said, yeah. Well, I didn't know any of the music you wanted me to play. And, 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 I, and I, this, is, this is weird. They started giving me drinks. They said, you can put your rucksack behind you. They didn't know me. I just turned. <laughs> right? They had no idea who I was. Right? I just had this one guy's name, which I forgot. And they said, um, just play some records, play some music for us. And I was playing music and I didn't really know his equipment. So I'm trying to work it out. I'm doing a bit of beat matching. And after about half an hour, he went, he said, you're the worst fucking DJ we've ever heard. He said, come up there and help us behind the bar. And um, I, so I was there till like five o'clock in the morning, and when I helped him close down, and I, he said, "Where are you staying?" and I said, "I haven't got anywhere." And this the guy who ran the bar, who, I'm terrible, I can't remember his name. Um, he said, "Come with me." He said, "You can stop with us for tonight." He said, "And I'll get you in touch with the other fellow." And anyway, before you knew it, I stayed with this guy for two weeks, uh, met all his friends, and uh, I, I went to do a show at the Orlando in Tenerife in in, um, in, in Tenerife, and um, these guys said, we, we want you here every every week. Can you do a show here every week? And I said, Yeah, but I said, My tickets run out. I said, I've got things to do back in England. So I flew back, sold my van, sold all my bits and pieces and everything. that I just sold everything and I came back to Tenerife like uh, a month later. And they, they, true to the word, they they got me a place in the Orlando. I got my own apartment and they said, You can have this. This is our apartment. That the hotel gave us, but it's crap. It was underneath, uh, not underneath. It was next to the um, to the lift shaft, so I didn't get much sleep. And he said, "But this is the room. You can have this." So I stayed there for about two months until I'd saved up enough money to get an apartment. And yeah, I ended up staying in Tenerife. But my, but my point was, is when I got to Tenerife uh, for the first uh, three weeks, I didn't really have any money. Um, and and I I was just living off what I'd sold my van for. So I was just walking around from place to place saying, I do this, are you interested? And sometimes they'd say, yeah, if you give us a poster. And so I did every bar you think of in Las Americas, and Los Cristianos, and La Galeta, and and Costa del Silencio, and they did all over, and I covered that whole area. And I did it for for three years. I did stuff for Club 1830 and for Brewers Group, which was a really good one. Um, I met loads of people, everybody from uh, Chubby Brown to, um, oh, uh, what's that guy called, that comedian said, uh, The Demons, The Bondar Chip Shop. Um, uh, Stan Boardman. Stan met Boardman, Stan yeah. Dan. I was a big fan of him. And uh, they'd all go down because apparently the guy that owned the booze uh, was uh, the original Phantom Flamflinger, apparently. Uh, oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, I was really... Really into it, then I met a girl, and I ended up moving back to England in in uh, ninety six. And to be honest, I should have stayed in Tenerife. I should have stayed there because I loved it. I loved all the boys and all the people and everything. Um, but you know, sometimes it's just time to move on. And, and I I went to Newport, and I stayed in Newport for a while in South Wales, and then and then I just thought, sod This I want to go to Australia. Went to Australia. This is another story. I'm going to keep it short. Um, I, I damaged my knee, so I, I was under there for three months, and I came back and I ended up back in Newport again. And but I did I did a few shows when I was in Australia, um, and then yeah, just trying to find myself. And then I went raving, started raving, started clubbing again. Um, went to Glastonbury, met my wife, and if it wasn't for my wife Jane, I'd probably kill myself with a drug overdose by now. Um, you know, because I was a I was a mad raver, and um, yeah, I just I just enjoyed. Uh, being with her and I moved into Bristol and then I became a dad and that's when I started to calm down and being a, a new me. You know, I, I ran a business called Glow Gadgets, got Unlimited. I ran that for uh, 10 years and then the credit crunch happened and a lot of my supplies went out of business. Um, a lot of people wouldn't uh, give me credit anymore because of, mm-hmm. it was too risky. And so I closed that down and I didn't know what to do. And my daughters, who were seven and eight, and said, why don't you entertain children, dad? And I was like, yeah, but I'm pretty much a blue comedian. I've been working with strippers for years, um, you know, just doing blue comedy. Um, Nobody's going to want me as a children's entertainer. Um, But I did their birthday party did a friend's birthday party. Before you knew it, I was entertaining all these kids. And I was like, this is fantastic. They're not drunk. They're not threatening me. right? I'm not not driving home at 3 o'clock in the morning absolutely bog-eyed. After doing a show that was, you know, so-so because everybody was drunk, I'm entertaining kids in the day, and I can be as silly as I want to be, and they think I'm hilarious. This is fantastic, and so I've been doing that as Crispy T, and you can find me at ComedyMagicShow.co.uk. I've been doing that for nearly ten years now, and now I've reached. And you've won awards, years. haven't you? Won awards, Children's Entertainer of the Year. I won Bristol Magic Society Children's Entertainer of the Year. Um, yeah, I mean, kids love me. I love kids. It's fantastic. I mean, I know people said to me, "How can you entertain kids when you step and blind the way you do?" So I don't do that in front of the kids. I don't hypnotise them either. You know, I can tell the difference between
0: kids and adults. You I've know got to ask you this because that's brilliant. You know, obviously in England here we're screwed. Uh, you've got to be eighteen. 18- or above to be a hypnotic subject um for hypnosis shows or have yes. parental permission uh, allegedly uh, now all right some of the holiday resorts <clears throat> that does get bent i've seen it get bent but we certainly don't have what they have in america what do you make of this bloody they're going to schools they hypnotizing kids
1: i don't hypnotize kids i did when I was in Corfu, uh, like I said, I was doing shows all over, I, and I advertised an eight-year-old kid. Um, you know, they—they they were kids would get up, and I didn't know the rules, I didn't know the regulations, and like I said, I had to figure things out. And I soon figured out um, that I don't want to advertise kids because they, they were boring. Um, when you, when you advertise kids, they didn't do much, right? Um, kids are funnier as kids, right? Uh, but the whole idea of hypnotizing adults is so that adults become kids or they act like kids, right? Yes. So um, I think you know you've got to be over a certain age because it's about responsibility. And um, hypnotizing children just seems weird to me because um, yeah, a 16-year-old might look very attractive and grown up and have the body of a man or a woman, but they haven't got the mind of a man or a woman, and and so I don't think it's fair. Um, I don't think it's fair to start messing with them because even though I don't believe that hypnosis, and I hate the word hypnosis because I don't think hypnotism is real at all, I think, I think that everything is a um, it's what people choose it to be, and that's why it's important to frame the hypnosis, and I hate it when people do air quotes as well, right, For that. Um, I think what people need to do is frame it and say, look, I'm your conductor and you're my orchestra right it's up to you how you play your instrument and you are the instrument you know if 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 i was a um if I was a a, a, a trainer, right, a I'm trainer. sorry
0: you set me off. you <laughs> just sort of like if if you if you look at YouTube this morning, people and search Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield on the couch quite often. She'll say something and it, it cracks him up or vice versa. I'm sorry, but Chris just gone on about. Oh dear, sorry. Right, so if I if yeah. I'm a personal
1: trainer and you want to get okay. fit and you say I want to get fit and I tell you what to do, and you do it, you'll get fit. But if you ignore me, if I say, all right, you need to do 10 press-ups to start with, and you don't actually do that, then nothing's going to happen. So if, if what I say to you goes in one ear and out the other, you're not going to get hypnotized, or you're not going to get fit, right? Mm-hmm. So, but And that's why I do this framework. You're not going to do anything to yourself or anyone else. You're not going to do anything against your morals or your ethic. You're going to follow my instructions. When I say stop, you do as you're told. And when I say at the end of the show, I'll count from five down to one and I'll say Constantinople, and that's the end of the show. And I know I'm not going to say those words until the end of the show. So you'll know then that it, the show's over, so you can stop playing about, right? Now, people say to me at the end, you'll get people who will say, oh I, oh, I felt amazing. I, like, I, I put a video online of this guy from Friday, and He asked me to take it off. I asked him, I said, can you do a, a, a video uh, saying how you felt because he was really pumped about it? And then he said, oh, actually, I don't like that being online. <laughs> I said, well, no, I'm on the up again. But this guy was like, oh, my God, it was amazing. I knew what I was doing. I could have stopped it in time, but I didn't want to. I just felt great. And now I feel wonderful and energized. I feel fantastic. And I said, what that is, is you, you feel relieved. You feel like you've done something that you wouldn't normally do. And you feel the pressure's been taken off. You. And, it, you know, whether, it, whether you have a massage, a hot bath, Whether you jerk yourself off, whether you have a joint, whether you have a beer, whatever it is that you do to relax, do that. And so when people are hypnotized or when they allow themselves to become hypnotized or when, as I say, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis, when they hypnotize themselves or they put themselves, and I don't believe there's such a thing as a trance, but when they put themselves in a trance or whatever it is they do, I always say it's different for everybody. Don't, you know, I ask people to close their eyes because I don't want you looking at what they're doing. Not because you're asleep, because you're not. You've just got your eyes closed. I don't want you doing what somebody else is doing. I want you to do you. Do your thing. It doesn't matter what they're doing because they're, they're doing their own thing. They're doing their reality or, or, or not, right? And, and I just want you to enjoy the experience and just go with the flow. Don't expect some weird drug trip. It's not LSD you're taking. You know, if you're thinking you're going to get visuals and everything, you're going to be disappointed. But if you just go into yourself, use your imagination, and stop relying on um, other other things like your your vision and sound and all that, just go within yourself and enjoy that. Then you'll you'll learn something really powerful that you can use at any time. Anytime you feel stressed or unhappy or whatever, you can just take a few minutes, put yourself on a beach. I like I like doing the whole beach thing. You know, imagine the sun beating down and warming your body. And imagine it's nice and bright. I sit under a bright light sometimes in winter because I, sometimes I, I want to feel like I'm in the sunshine, you know. And I'll close my eyes and I'll just think, yeah, I'm on the beach now and I'll do that. And it, it calms me down. And, it make, and then you open your eyes and you go, oh, fuck, it's raining. But, you know, use your imagination. And if it's entertaining, you can call it hypnosis. I mean... You know, it's a hypnotist show. But really, um, I saw years ago when I was doing the things for Club 1830, Mm -hmm. I saw um, Club 1830 reps getting people to do things that I would never ask them to do in a hypnotist show that were far more outrageous. Mm -hmm. And all they were doing was saying, do that. If you do that, you might win a beer. Mm -hmm. And they were doing more than any hypnotist show I've ever seen. So... I know there's a lot of big name hypnotists making a lot of money. Right? I'm not going to say who or were, but you know what I'm talking about, and you know who you are, and you know you've fallen on your feet. And a lot of people think, uh, a lot of famous people, they've got this imposter syndrome, which is, oh, I don't know, how I'm getting away with this. I don't, I don't know how I, like, like if you're a famous actor, you, you speak to any famous actor, and they'll go, I can't believe people still, still want me on screen. Yeah. Because I'm just. I'm just messing about. I'm just enjoying myself. But apparently people like it and they pay me millions, so I'll keep with it. Well, if you're hypnotist and you're asking people to do things and they're doing it, and really all we're doing is holding a microphone and saying, do this, do that, and people are doing it, and they're having a laugh, and people in the audience are having a laugh, and we're getting paid, fantastic, great. You know, uh, I'll keep on doing that. But the thing is, it's about confidence. It's about gravitas. If you're not confident, you don't tell people, I'm a hypnotist. And I'm going to show you how to have a fantastic time. You're going to love it. They're going to have a laugh. You're not going to be embarrassed. I'm going to get paid. We all win. Yay. You know, so. Some people watching uh, might
0: think that Chris has oversimplified things. Let me tell you, from my personal point of view, it is as simple as that. Yeah. There are obviously psychological ploys you can use. And in that regard, um, that's another good reason to get um, Chris's book, um, which is over his shoulder. Grab the book. Grab the book. Show it us closer on screen. I've change, uh, changed the design. So you can get,
1: you can get it on, on Amazon. All right. uh, so It might have a different cover design, but it's still called the same name. It's it the same name. Uh, and it's a strange way to stage
0: hypnosis, the honest hypnotist guy. Um, um, Get the book, read it. There's loads of psychological tips in there that will help. It is as simple as what Chris has said, but there are tips that make it even easier and more. And the the book's full of them. And then also watch YouTube. There's loads of videos Chris has got up there. And when you watch his videos, having read the book, you'll see that what he's put in the book is genuinely what he does with people. Hence, the honest, I can't even speak now, honest. Hypnotists, bloody tripping up. Honest hypnotist guide. I, I thoroughly recommend it as you can see on the YouTube video.
1: StopStreets.com.
0: Yeah, before we go, the final question, because we have gone slightly over the hour, but this is the question I ask everybody that I've interviewed. Obviously, with you, it's in the context of stage hypnosis. Yes. Somebody came to you who'd never done a show before in their entire life. Um, they may have already read your book, okay? What would your top three tips be to them in terms of getting into stage hypnosis? Uh, Top three tips.
1: Well, I think I've said my first tip is um, be kind. Uh, I think kindness is magic. If you're kind to yourself and you're kind to others, I think that makes the world a better place in the first place. Um, and by being kind, what I mean is don't, don't do things in the hope of getting something out of somebody. You know, if you see somebody that needs help, um, and, and you, you can help them, um, help them. You know, and, and but Kindness is simple. Whether it's using good manners, which I always say my please and thank yous, always, I think that's important because it makes people feel um, better about themselves If you're in a shop uh, if, if you go to a chip shop You want to get, get some chips uh, Or you going to McDonald's uh, And you make an order I always say um, Please could I have Whatever Big Mac and fries Or fish and chips Thank you very much It's dead simple The amount of times I hear people say Yeah I want this I want that And I want that Right It's, it's so impolite Because you're talking To another human being and the least you can do when you're asking them to do something, I know you're going to give them money, the least you can do is be polite. So please could I have, and then thank you very much. Now, on top of that, the simplest thing is to make somebody happy, or, or to make someone happy, is point something out about them that you like the look of. Now, they don't have to be, it's not like a chat-up line, you're not, you're not trying to win somebody over, but if you see somebody and they've got interesting glasses on, right? Or uh, somebody said to me the other day, wow, I really like your Blue Dot Martins. They're fantastic. Oh, thank you very much. Just point something out and say it and see what happens, right? It's not costing you anything. You know, you can, like I said, I don't smile too much because my smile looks weird. Right? It it looks like I'm squeezing out a not. It's not a good smile. So I do this a lot. That's my, you know, that's my that's my photograph. And um, if I just keep my resting face is this. That's my resting face and it looks angry. So if, you, if you've got a good smile, use it. Uh, if you can be nice to somebody just by saying, oh, I love your hair or wow, that is a cool T-shirt or what fabulous earrings you've got. That's amazing. That will brighten up someone's day. You have got no idea. And. Um, I met a guy called Andy Cole, PhD, uh, the other day, and they call him the doctor of happiness, and I was very impressed with it. Mm -hmm. And he said it's called the ripple effect, right? And I I say pay it forward. If you can say something nice to somebody and be happy and upbeat, he says 16% of your happiness will move on to that person, right? And what happens is then the next people that they meet, 8% of your happiness will go on to them. And the people that they've met, 2% of your happiness will move on to them. All you've got to do is make an effort to just smile and be nice to somebody, to be kind to somebody, just say something positive about them, and it will move on. Just like when you're driving your car, if you let someone out, they'll let someone else out. They're paying it forward. So that's my first tip, is be kind. Right? Excellent. Yeah. The second tip is if you're going to do a show, um, if... Wherever it is, um, safety. I think safety is, is paramount when you're doing a hypnotist shot. Look at your surroundings. Look around. Imagine you've got toddlers. You're, you, you're going to remove all the short edges from the tables because you know they're going to walk into it, right? You're not going to leave cups of hot liquid that they're going to grab and spill over themselves. Well, when you do a hypnotist shot, You don't want anything that could possibly hurt your subjects. Not to say that they are stupid morons who are going to do things to hurt themselves, but accidents happen. And like I've said in the book, accidents have happened. And there's some really good stories in there that are wake-up calls. I haven't haven't tried to make out like I'm an expert and that everything's gone right for me and that I've never had any problems. There are shows online that you can watch where I've died on my ass. There are stories in the book where I have died on my ass and where things have gone wrong, and I've learnt from it. If you are going to do a show, it's up to you to make sure that there are no chances of anything going wrong, like catalepsy. For fuck's sake, why are people still doing catalepsy? And that is making someone slip as a boy, putting their head on a chair on one chair, putting their feet on another, and standing on them like a bridge. Stop fucking doing it. What is the matter with you? That is not even funny. They could have back problems, they could fall, they could hurt themselves. Don't do that because you're setting yourself up for failure. We live in a litigious society where people will sue you at the drop of a hat, so don't give them the chance. And you don't want to hurt anybody anyway. So safety is the second most important... Well, I say it's the first most important thing if you're going to do a show, definitely safety. Um, but that's my second tip. And I think my third tip... Um, is probably video everything. Video all your shows. Uh, always take a video. I'm, I'm looking at getting one of these DJI Osmo pockets because I did a show using my old video camera from about 10 years. I, I videoed the show on Friday because normally my daughter videos me using a, a DSLR 4K camera, right? And um, she wasn't around and, and it only films in 15-minute segments. And so... I didn't bring that. I brought the old camera. And the problem was the quality's crap. It's still high <laughs> definition, but it looks terrible. Um, and I've seen the quality of these little DJI Osmo pockets. Uh, and it's got all the stabilisation and everything else. And they're like 279 quid. Oh.
0: Yeah. Right. Really good. And the quality's amazing. What are they called again? I'm, I'm literally, I'm taking notes on this. A lot the nice. people at home.
1: Yeah. DJI Osmo pocket.
0: A more pocket. I'll be looking at that after.
1: Yeah. So now that is like a little stick. Uh, it's like a bar of chocolate, like a Snickers bar. Yeah. That uh, and you can put it on a tripod, uh, or, or if you want to, you can ask a member of the audience to hold it, and they don't need to be Steady or anything. They can move it about because it's got a built-in gimbal that will make sure that it's completely steady. So you, they could be laughing. <laughs> Yeah? Film everything, right? Oh, and, wow. Yeah, and I used to give cameras to audience members and say, can you just follow me around with that? And sometimes it worked, and sometimes it was shaky. Well, you get one of these. I, I am going to get one um, for, my, for my next show. The, look it up. The, 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 the footage is amazing, and you can give it to anybody. If, you, if you're a magician, and you're doing some close-up, and you want some video of you working, and you say, can you just hold that for me and just keep it pointed this way, You'll get some fantastic footage and you can pull video. Uh, so you can pull images from the video because it's 4K. So you can get the best reactions. and you can... So that's my third tip is get a really decent camera and video everything you do. Because then you can go on and watch. If you've had a good gig, you can see what you've done right. And if you've had a terrible gig, you can see what you did wrong. You can pull stills from the images. In fact, I'm going to go
0: out and buy one today now. Yeah I'm sorry You you should be on commission You you really Yeah
1: They've got him in Argos £279 That's 50 quid off
0: uh, DJI
1: owes more pocket and They're on Amazon as well um, For the same money
0: And of course As well as learning From your good shows And learning from your bad And the ones in between As well as being able to take images From them Which uh, Sounds good So you get Still images you can use in your advertising. Of yeah, course, yeah. you can you can back of the room sell sell copies of the video, can't you, to people with yeah, yeah. there?
1: So, I mean, I've got friends that do that. Back in the day, they'd have these towers that would be recording all the DVDs. But if you want to, uh, you can get a Vimeo professional account, uh, and you can go on Vimeo, and what you can do then is you can sell uh, basically passwords to people. Um, so you can you know you can sell if you want a copy of the show. It's a five five quid, ten clip. People will always give you a fiver.
0: Great right minds to- think alike. That's the exact advice James Zealous yeah. gave in relation to back of the room. Was to use Vimeo Pro. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Vimeo Pro is great, and if you just take a fiver off people, they're happy. But you know, you don't want to rip people off. But you can put it on on uh, YouTube, and YouTube's making the money. But if you put it on Vimeo Pro, then you know you you're not going to get adverts. You're going to get it in 4K. Um, and you, then you're really going to get to use your Osmo um, properly. And so, yeah, video. So there you go. That's my three tips. Be Excellent. Happy, be kind, be
0: safe and video the lot. Thank you very much indeed, Chris. It has been an absolute pleasure. I cannot recommend buying uh, The Honest hypnotist Guide A Strange Way To Hypnosis. Any more than saying if you type in Jonathan Royal Strange Way to Stage Hypnosis on YouTube, you'll see my full detailed review. But in one sentence, it's buy the book. Uh, it's as simple as that. New Give site. everyone your website again. Uh, so go to chris.strange.com, which will be there below the video. If you're lazy, you can just click on the link. Excellent. He's prepared! Tremendous! So that will be it, but it will be underneath the video. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, And yeah, also check out YouTube and stuff. Uh, Thank you all for watching as always, and we'll see you next week on Hypnosis Week. Bye-bye now!